This is a Holy Baptist Church podcast, bringing you into a community in which everyone is welcome, lives are changing, and Jesus is King. Thanks for listening with us today. We would invite you to subscribe so you can keep up to date with us. But for now, we pray you enjoy listening for what God has in store for you in this episode, and that it helps change your life for the better, in Jesus' name. Enjoy. In your flock. The Bible tries to give us an idea of what God is like by using different images, different pictures to try and help us to grasp in all his enormity a little bit of what God is like. And, and each different picture gives us God from a slightly different angle. So in week one, we had God the potter, the idea that we are formed by God, we are created in God's image, and God has created us for a purpose. In week two, Dave spoke to us about God being a fortress, a place of security a place of safety, a firm foundation in the midst of so much darkness and so much mess. Last week, we looked at the picture of God being like an eagle, a God that protects us and watches over us, but also a God that encourages us to grow and to get out of the nest and to soar like an eagle. And this morning, we are looking at the idea of God being a shepherd and that we're part of his flock. I think life is better with a guide. Life is better with a guide. I don't know if you've ever been to um, National Trust properties. I'm a, we got, we're National Trust members, and there's quite a few National Trust properties around here. And they're all right. You go around, you walk around, and it's like, well, there's another chair, and there's an upper tapestry, and it's all very interesting, but I have no idea anything about this house unless you're willing to uh, chat to someone. But every now and then they do a guide. You have a guided tour. You turn up a kick to time and a person who's very knowledgeable takes you around and suddenly the whole house opens up to you and you find out about people and the stories of, of the people that lived in this house and what happened in the historical moments where it all connects up. And suddenly it's like, oh, actually, this is really interesting. Rather than being an old dusty house full of tapestry, this suddenly becomes about real people. Um, if you don't get an actual guide, you get audio guides, and they're really good. You can put your headphones on and press the buttons and get lost because you always get the wrong audio guide with the wrong place. But it's all very confusing, but it helps us so much. I remember in my early 20s, I have no idea why I did this, but it shows you a little bit about me. When I finished my, um, my degree, I did an engineering degree. I wasn't any good at it, hence why I'm being a pastor. Um, <laughs> Uh, when I finished my degree, rather than go off to Ibiza, I went on a tour of Venice. Um, and uh, we, we stayed in a, uh, a town outside of Venice called Lido de Gesolo. And then we had to get a, a little ferry across the lagoon into Venice. You come to Mark's, St. Mark's. Anyone been to Venice here? Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's amazing. amazing. If, you, if you get an opportunity, do go there. And you get into St. Mark's Square. And the first time we went there, I hooked up with a couple of Scottish guys. Uh, and we thought, we just go off and wander around. We spent the whole day in Venice, and we missed all the sights. Instead of going into the main Venice, we went into the residential areas. We ended up in a park and a few sort of houses dotted around, but we missed every single sight in Venice. So when we got back, there was a guy who'd been asked by the tour company to kind of be a guide for the week. And it was a Christian one. They did Bible study during the week. He said, look, Next time we go in, I'm going to be your guide. I'm going to show you every single site there is in Venice. 
So we went in and he'd been loads of times before and he took us around. We went to St. Mark's Square, St. Mark's Basilica, the Dojo's Palace, the Rialto Bridge, all the sites. We saw dead nuns, fingers and all sorts of interesting things that you know you wouldn't know was there unless you had a guide. See, a guide is so important because it helps us get the best of things. But I think we often need a little guide in life, don't we? Maybe that's why self-help books are so popular because they're written by someone who wants to guide us through a particular stage in our life. Maybe someone who's a bit of an expert. So it might be, I don't know, marriage, how to have a, a better marriage, how to be a better parent, how to do your best in the workplace to get on in life and get those promotions. Maybe it's how to cope with retirement. Maybe it's how to deal with your finances. These are all things, if we admit it, we need help with in order to flourish and to get the most out of these things. Even if you're an expert climber climbing Mount Everest, you have a guide, you have a Sherpa who's been up there near, numerous times and knows the paths and knows how to, how to read the weather and can even carry your pack sometimes. We need a guide in life to help us to navigate uncharted territories. And in life, we often lack those wise people who have done this before and can guide us. And, and often that's because they used to have the saying, that, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, most of us don't live in a village anymore. Most of us are raising children or dealing with marriage or dealing with our works in isolation. And that's why we turn to self-help books, because we all recognize that we need help and we need a guide. In the first book of the Bible, which is called Genesis, which the first part of it is following the story of, of the creation of the world and, and human beings and their kind of how the world got messed up. But then the second half is following a story that starts with a guy called Abraham. And it follows his story until they get to Egypt. And there's a guy called Joseph you might have heard of with his Technicolor dream coat that Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote a musical about. And there's a bit towards the end of Genesis when Joseph's, fa Joseph's father, Jacob, is on his deathbeds. And he wants to bless not only his son Joseph, but Joseph's two sons, so Jacob's grandsons. And he says these words to them. He says, may the gods before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherds all my life to this day, bless these boys. May the God who has been my shepherds all my life to this day, bless these boys. See, Jacob saw God as a shepherd's. A guide in his life. And you can go in Genesis, you can read the story of Jacob. And he was ups and downs. He made serious mistakes. He messed up massively. But he could look back on his deathbed at his life and saying, God was my shepherd and he guided me every step of the way. And the shepherd is a very common motif, very common image, very common picture in the Bible. Because it was a common sight. It's not a common sight for us, is it? Really, we don't really see many shepherds wandering down in front of our house on a morning. Um, and yet for them, it was. This is why these images that we've been looking at have all been images that would have been common. Potter would have been a common uh, image. A fortress would have been a common image. An eagle, definitely not common for us, but would have been common for them. And a shepherd was a very 
common sight because most people had sheep or maybe lived next door to someone that had sheep. And a shepherd was there to guide the sheep, to protect the sheep, to provide for the sheep and to sustain the sheep. Because you're not a very good shepherd if all your sheep die. Let's be honest. Um, so that's what a shepherd is. And actually, we've got a very famous figure in the Bible called David. Now, if you heard of David and Goliath, uh, David was that guy. He was uh, a king. He became like one of the greatest kings uh, of, of Israel. But before that, he was a shepherd boy. And David wrote um, some psalms. We talked about this last week. I said, if you want to find psalms, you just go to the middle of your Bible and you get Ecclesiastes. Um, Psalms, there we go. Uh, And we're going to look at a psalm called Psalm 23. It's possibly the most famous psalm. It's written by David. On my version, it says Psalm 23, a psalm of David. And here's David, who was a shepherd boy, now king. So he knew about shepherds. He knew that was a common image to him. And we're just going to work our way through this particular psalm. This is a psalm that I often preach on, on read at funerals. Um, it's not a funeral today, but I think it's a huge amount to, to speak to us. And I pray that it will speak into your life, wherever you are at, uh, at the moment. And we're just going to go through these. Uh, with the first half, it's of, up to verse uh, 4 of Psalm uh, 23. And this is what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, when you see that word Lord, what's different about that word Lord than the rest of the, the words? It's in capitals. When you see that, the Lord is in capitals because in the original Hebrew that it's written in, it doesn't actually say Lord. It actually says Yahweh, which is the name of God. But it would be disrespectful, particularly to Jews, to say Yahweh. So in our Bibles, we say Lord. And rather than it being Lord of the manor, we talk about, we have it in capitals. So we know that it's actually referring to God. So God, the creator of the universe. The God who is indescribable, the God who is almighty, omnipotent, all-powerful, whatever. The God, the Lord, David said, is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. There's a personal, personal element to this. This isn't the Lord is a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack. Nothing. As I said, a shepherd is there to guide, protect, provide, sustain. So this God is a pretty good shepherd because David's saying, I'm like a sheep and I lack nothing. There is nothing I want more. My shepherd is giving me everything I need. Verse 2, it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Now let's close your eyes for a moment. And picture those green pastures. Just think in your mind, what does that look like? Green pastures. I'm now going to show you a picture, two pictures of what that actually looked like. Here's one. And here's the other one. You see, we forget that this Bible was, the Bible was written in Israel. And there isn't a lot of rolling green countryside like Wales or around here. You know, we can go up around the M25 towards Heathrow and we can see that that green embankment with the sheep along the side, which seems really weird to me. But, you know, you can just leave the sheep to just eat grass. It wasn't the case there. They have got green, lush uh, places in Israel. 
But that's where you do your farming. That's where you grow your crop. You don't want a load of sheep wandering over it. So when David is talking about green pastures, this is what David is talking about. Judean hillsides, desert, wilderness, where the moist, moist wind blows in from the sea and the moisture is caught between the rocks and the ground. And at that place there, then green shoots grow. And a shepherd goes along with his sheep and they eat at that grass, gradually removing all grass they can find on the hillside. You can't just leave a sheep there for a few days and then move them on. You have to constantly keep moving because there is not enough foods there for them to constantly search. I remember I went to North Africa, I went to Tunisia, and uh, we were going to head out of, the sit- out of Tunis, out of the city, to go and see some uh, Roman um, ruins because I'm into Roman ruins. I'm coming across as really boring. I go to Venice in my early 20s, and I like looking at Roman ruins. Never mind. Uh, and we were going out of the city. We're still on the busy main road. We're just going around the roundabout, and I saw a guy who was obviously a shepherd walking along the side of the roads with a load of sheep following him. And everywhere he walked, the sheep walked. He was going around searching for foods, for grazing pastures for his sheep. He was gradually moving along like a vacuum cleaner, sucking up anything green they could find behind them. See, too often our pictures of a shepherd is a load of sheep sitting in a field, and the shepherd comes along with a dog, and he wants to move them to another field or put them in a pen. So he sends a dog out, and the dog bites at their heels, barks a bit, and they move. And maybe we think of God like that, that God's distant and God is remote, and he sends his orders, he said, you know, go on over there and go over there. But actually, this is not the image we have from the Middle East. It's a shepherd that is there walking in front of the sheep, and the sheep recognizing the shepherd, recognizing the voice, trusting the shepherd and following because they know that if they don't, they will not get the sustenance that they need. A rabbi once said, worry, worry is dealing with tomorrow's problems with today's pasture. Worry is dealing with tomorrow's problems with today's pasture. That's all well and good if you're picturing a big, picturing a big lush field. But if you're looking at the scarcity of the food for today, then why are you wasting that on tomorrow. In fact, Jesus, when he taught his disciples how to pray, he said, give us today our daily bread. Because we worship a God that gives us what we need now. And too often we waste what we have now on the worries and the troubles of tomorrow. If we go on to the next part of verse 3, it says, God, he guides me along the right path." For his name's sake. So God wants to guide us. He wants to guide us in life along the right path. He wants, if we want to be a follower of him, a follower of Jesus, that our paths become God's paths and God's paths become our paths. That God has a plan for us. We talked about in the Potter's bit that God has designed us for a purpose. And God, as as our shepherd, is helping us to find that purpose and help us to find that direction, to guide us through life along the right paths, his paths. But then the psalm takes a little bit of a dark turn. It says these words in verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. 
The actual words here in the original Hebrew is shadow of death. Even though I walk through the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, it's tempting to think, oh, you must have gone off the path here. You've got a bit lost. You've wandered away from the path that the shepherd God wanted. Actually, no, you're still on the right path. How do I know that? Because God is there with you, guiding you, protecting you. But so often we look at life and we look at things are messing up around us and things are going wrong and we think we've gone wrong somewhere. Sometimes you have. But not always. Because we've never been promised that life is going to be all rosy. And there will always be times when life is dark, when life is troublesome. So this says the darkest valley. Um, probably, as I said, the literal translation is shadow of death. So it may be that Dave is actually looking at someone who is actually dying. Maybe he's dying. I don't know. But the reality is wherever we are in life, we hit points or we can think of points. And maybe you're at this stage now where actually you feel you're in a shadow of death. As the Good News version uh, of the Bible says, the deepest darkness. This psalm tells us that if you find yourself in the deepest darkness, you haven't necessarily messed up. It may still be the right path for you. But God is there with you. I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod seems like a cudgel, a club, that the shepherd you to ward off predators. So we don't really have predators for sheep in this country. But in, in Israel, there was. There was all sorts of wolves and lions and bears and stuff that would attack the sheep. In fact, we go back to David and Goliath. David was confident that he could defeat this giant Goliath because as a shepherd, he defeated bears and lions to protect his sheep. And David uses that images, image for God. Your rod protects me and your staff. And staff can be used to bring protection, but also can be used to yank the sheep and guide it back in the right place. And sometimes we need that, don't we? And David finds comfort because of that. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I want you to note there's a shift here. At the beginning of the first half of the psalm, it's talks about the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He refreshes my soul. What we have here is suddenly it's switched. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Suddenly God has gone from being up front. There's a shepherd. I can see him. I'm following to God being alongside, you are with me, sustaining me, guiding me, sometimes carrying me. If the sheep was too young or maybe too young or maybe had got lame, the shepherd would carry that sheep to the destination. And sometimes we need that from God as well. God, you are here with me. You are alongside me. You are carrying me because sometimes I can't carry myself. Jesus, too, picks up on this picture, this image of a shepherd. And it's found in John chapter 10. And he talks about the fact that sheep will follow him because they recognize his voice. But he also talks about the fact that 
a hired hand. So you could hire someone to look after your sheep. You didn't have to do it yourself. There's plenty of people that would willingly look after your sheep. But would a hired hand actually stand between a sheep and a lion? Probably not. They would run away. And Jesus picks up on this in, in chapter. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read through this all, but if you want to go away and look at it yourself, and Jesus talking about the shepherd. Jesus says, I am a good shepherd. I know my sheep. I live with my sheep. I want to protect my sheep. I will willingly lay down my life for my sheep. And that's exactly what we see Jesus do. That's what we're going to be commemorating and remembering and celebrating this Easter. The fact that Jesus is a good shepherd, not a bad shepherd, not a hired hand, but a good shepherd that cares for his sheep, us, so much so he laid down his life for us. See, towards the end of Psalm 23, it has this picture of coming to this feast, this table, where all this amazing food is laid out for, for David, for the psalmist. This idea that actually we can go through life, and we can go through the highs and the lows, the, the green pastures, the quiet waters, the deepest, darkest valley. Yet ultimately, we can find a place of safety and security, end of our lives. We call it heaven. And we can find that, we can have that because Jesus died for us and rose again so we might be freed from our sin and have a relationship with God forever. God, Jesus, is the good shepherd, guiding us through life by his spirit. Do you recognize his voice? Protecting us, laying down his life for us so that we might ultimately find a place of refreshing and sustenance. For this series, we take a little bit more time than usual uh, just to watch a video of some images. And we're just going to take time uh, now, just to look at that image, that picture of the shepherd, and there's some questions going to come up. And just use this time just to be quiet and to reflect and answer the questions. Let's do this now. What do green pastures and quiet waters look like for you? Do you feel the need for a guide through life? Have you felt God's guidance? Is Jesus your shepherd? Do you want him to be?
That was today's episode of Holy Baptist Church Podcast. We hope it's prompted you to want to follow Jesus, hopefully a lot, but even just a little bit more closely. If you have any questions about what you've heard in today's episode or you want to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, you can email us, gotquestions at holybaptist.org.uk. We'd love to hear from you. It would really make our day. If you want to hear more from us, just a reminder, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you can download the Holy Baptist Church app from the Apple App Store or Google Play to hear it as well. Simply search Holy Baptist Church. Thank you again for listening to Holy Baptist Church podcast. We pray God will bless you and we'll see you next time.